talk a lot about Jesus and what he came to do, because that's what our faith is all about. In this series called Blood and Guts, we're doing a deep dive into the book of Hebrews to see how Jesus connects to the Old Testament and what that means for our lives today. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. So I went on an adventure this morning, and um, it may not sound exciting to you. It's an adventure that I go on about twice a week, that I have been doing that for a couple months now uh, on this adventure, um, twice a week for a couple months, where I will go to, on this adventure to Pittston. Anybody from Pittston? Any Pittston people in the house? Hey, just one. All right. <laughs> so um, I don't go to Pittston a lot. It like, seems like a world away from me in Dallas, but it's not really that far. But I go to twi- Piston twice a week, and um, I sell my plasma to people, to a company that gives it to people that are dying in need of plasma, a plasma transfusion. And you can see my nice scar here. I went this morning, and so it's a little tender, but I'll go again on Friday and again next week a couple times. So I'm giving plasma, and it sounds really noble when you say, like, someone thanked me one time. Like, my dad, his life was saved because of a plasma infusion. And I said, I get a really nice paycheck. That's why I do it. <laughs> I don't do it for the thank yous. I'm not, not all heroes wear capes. Um, <laughs> so I do it because they pay me well. But inevitably, when I, like, tell people, they're like, well, what's a scar? Or I have, like, a big bandage right when I come. They're like, well, what's going on there? It's always a story. And I, I describe what's going on and the process and, and what I'm doing. And inevitably, someone in the conversation like, starts to like, you know, they get a little squeamish about blood, or maybe they, had to, like, they cannot see blood. I know, um, Elijah, you can't see blood, right? Is it just your own blood? Or is it just all blood? <laughs> okay, I know there's some stories I've heard. <laughs> some people, they don't handle blood so well. Um, they don't handle needles so well. Um, especially when I, like, d- when I start to tell stories. So like, there have been like three times now where they would go in to look for a vein and they just couldn't find one. But they, before giving up, they spent a little time like digging around. Like, and that sounds horrible. And they just go in the other arm eventually when they collapse the vein. I don't know what that means, but it's not as serious as it sounds. <laughs> but they just break the vein. Um, or sometimes when I tell people like the process, they take out my blood like six times and they put it in a machine and spin it around to separate the plasma part. And then they pump the blood back in. So like, the blood in my veins was in a machine earlier today and is now back in me, which is pretty bananas. Um, or, or when I tell the story, one time, they, this lady, her name's Yoshi. She goes, I go see her all the time. She's, a, she's great. And uh, one time she went to wrap up my arm afterwards and she said, oh, we're running low on gauze. Because it was like the end of a roll of the gauze. And she was like, but that should be enough. I trusted Yoshi. It was not enough. So I walk out to go home. And I'm like, almost to the door. There's like a wheel you spin. It's really, it's a little bit like a carnival. There's a <laughs> wheel you spin, and I got a free bag of chips for my donation. And uh, I'm like, almost at the door. And I'm like, that's a warm thing that shouldn't be on my arm. And I look down, and I am bleeding all over the floor, all over. There's, it's just pouring out. And she takes the thing off, and she's like, oh. <laughs> like, like, we should address that. So, um, yeah, you know, any of those stories... <laughs> Might turn some stomachs. (laughs) You may have to hold your ears, plug your nose. So this week we are starting a new series. Yeah, plug your nose. I don't know. This week we're starting a new series called Blood and Guts. Blood and Guts. Ah, you were wondering. You were wondering how that would happen. 
blood and guts. And um, sometimes if you're new with us or, or maybe you've been here for a while and kind of observing how we do things, sometimes we tackle a specific topic for several weeks in a row. So if you remember basic, we talked about the foundations of following Jesus for four weeks or so. In the past, we've done like six or seven. Um, and sometimes we'll do each week, we'll do an individual thing. For the past at least three weeks, that's kind of how it's been. It's been guest speakers and individual um, topics. Sometimes we will spend a whole series, a whole couple of weeks in a row on a particular portion of the Bible. And that's what we are doing in this series, Blood and Guts. So Blood and Guts is a deep dive into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, it's a, it's a really interesting read um, in, in the Bible. And what we know about Hebrews, well, what we don't know is who wrote it. We know that Hebrews was a letter, um, but we don't know exactly who wrote it because a lot of times in letters, they will say, I, Paul, tell you these things. But in the, in the letter to the Hebrew people, we didn't get that. So we kind of guess we have like four or five names that we think wrote Hebrews, but we don't know for sure. But we do know that it was a letter. And Hebrews was a letter written from someone who be known to the people who used to be Jewish, but are now following Jesus. So these are people who had Jewish roots. They were like, they had the Old Testament and they're like, that was my scripture. I understood that. That was my lifestyle. The old sacrificial system. I get all of that. But now they got this revelation of Jesus, the Messiah. They heard about his miracles. They heard he died and came back to life. And they said, that's amazing. And the Old Testament talks about that guy. This must be the guy. I'm going to follow that guy. So these people, these Jewish people were having doubts about their faith. So they were having some doubts and, and trying to process Jesus and what they knew about the Old Testament and trying to put all that together was confusing. Um, so this, the, the author of the letter of, of Hebrews was trying to teach them how to reconcile the Old Testament, what they know, and this new Jesus. How Jesus was a mediator of a new covenant. They had this old covenant, but there is a new covenant and it's better. It's the completion of the old covenant. It, this is this is level two stuff. So um, that's kind of the, the whole thing wrapped up into a couple sentences. Hebrews is a letter to the Hebrew people that were following Jesus, newly following Jesus, and we're kind of having some questions. And because we're answering questions in this Hebrews book, this letter, um, there's a lot of information about how we need to look at God because these people were reevaluating how they looked to God. So we can learn a lot about what we should think about God here. Um, and the word for that, you know, like biology and, you know, those ologies, where it just means the study of. So theology is the study of God. So theology, we can learn a lot of theology in the book of Hebrews. So we're going to work our way through the book of Hebrews. We're going to jump around through Hebrews. <laughs> when I get talking too fast, the words just, you know, fall apart. So Hebrews, we're going to be spending the next four weeks talking about Hebrews, and uh, we're going to jump around all over the book of Hebrews, so uh, don't expect to go necessarily verse by verse, because it's kind of long. It would take us kind of a long time to do that. Um, but we are going to start at the beginning. So Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 4, says this, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names." This starts out really thick. Like it's, 
like I said, this is theology, and we're explaining to people who have only known Old Testament. They have only known the sacrificial system. There is a Messiah that's coming, but right now, I got to slaughter goats to have my sins forgiven. And so right out of the gate, the author of Hebrews is saying, something better has happened. This man has come, and it's better. It's different. It's the thing that they were talking about. It is happening now. Jesus is the Messiah. So the writer of Hebrews talks a lot about Jesus all throughout. And um, obviously for us as Jesus followers, understanding Jesus is important. So maybe we're not coming from an Old Testament sacrificial system, but we are coming from some system and we need to understand Jesus better. Hebrews is a great place to begin doing that. And this is a really difficult concept. Like there were entire college courses that I took about theology where we tackled these big subjects, entire books written about this idea we're talking about tonight. But here's the bottom line. So it's the most important thing I want you to remember tonight. If you forget everything I said, my feelings will not be hurt unless you forget this one thing. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now your math teachers may have a problem with this because Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. He's not 50-50. And that is a problem in math class. But Jesus he doesn't care. He is 100% God, 100% man. And that sounds impossible because it is impossible for you, but not for God. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He's got these two things, divinity and humanity. 100% God, 100% man. Humanity, uh, yeah, <laughs> divinity. Wonder how many times that'll happen. <laughs> divinity and humanity. So let's start out with divinity. He is 100% God his divinity is his 100% Godness. So Jesus being God is really important to our faith. As we understand God, as we understand Jesus, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you are not a Christian in the way I define Christian and the way most people define Christians. And that is okay. You don't have to be a Christian to come here. But as we understand it, you, we believe that Jesus is God. And if you don't believe Jesus is God, but you do believe in Jesus, you do believe in the Bible, you are going to have an issue over and over again, because the whole Bible talks about Jesus's divinity, Jesus as God. So for example, the Mormons believe that Jesus was only a son of God. He wasn't really divine. He was a, a son of many sons, of many sons like him. Um, the Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, like their many other prophets. Lots of people, like modernly, believe that Jesus was a good man and a very wise teacher, but not God. These things are not what the Bible teaches. We believe that this amazing mystery of God, that he is 100% God, 100% man. We also believe that God is three in one. Sometimes we have talked about this for a whole service. We've talked about this Trinity idea. Um, and we believe that the Bible teaches from cover to cover that our God is three in one. Three and one at the same time. He's not like three within one. He's like three and one. Another problem for your math teachers. He is three and one. So three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, make up our one God. It's very confusing. Clear as mud, I'm sure. Um, I don't fully understand it. The person next to you doesn't fully understand it. Pastor Ray doesn't fully understand it. Stephen Furtick, or your favorite celebrity pastor, does not understand it. We are not meant to understand it. And one way that I kind of process this is, if I could fully understand God, why would I worship him? I fully understand this table, you know, like <laughs> things that I can get my mind around are not worth worshiping. One of the reasons I worship God is because he is bigger than me. He is more complex than me. I don't understand him. And that's one of the reasons I worship him. So 
Jesus is fully God. His divinity, why is it important? Now catch this, because this is more stuff that's really thick, but it's really, really important as, as a Christ follower for me. Jesus has to be God, because if he were not God, his sacrifice on the cross wouldn't have mattered. We talk about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross about every week, because it's very, very important. And if Jesus was not God, his sacrifice was just a man dying on a cross. But we believe that God died on the cross. God, he needed to be God because he needed to be God in order to live a perfect life. He needed to, you know what that's like because you've tried to live a perfect life. How long did it last? (laughs) It takes God to live a perfect life. So he became the perfect sacrifice and died on a cross, the perfect sacrifice. And that's why that sacrifice covers our sins because it was perfect because he lived a perfect life and he could only do that because he is God. (laughs) Again, clear as mud. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) So later in Hebrews, we see in chapter nine, verse 22, it says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The people reading this would understand that because they were killing goats and doves and other animals to pay for their sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Then in 1 Corinthians, um, we're going to jump around, not just in Hebrews, but Paul writes this, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. So putting all these things together, we know Jesus had to be God because his perfect sacrifice on the cross paid for my sin. And he only made that perfect sacrifice because he lived a perfect life. And he could only do that because he was God. If Jesus was no God, there would have been no resurrection. And our faith is a waste of time. That's the divinity of Jesus. So we also have to talk about his humanity. If he's fully God and fully man, he's got divinity and humanity, his 100% manness. Now, um, Yes, 100% man, Jesus is. Um, Just as essential as his divinity is to the way we understand Jesus, he also had to be 100% man. Just like our faith is a waste of time if he wasn't 100% God. It's a waste of time if he wasn't 100% man. One of the big distinctives of Christianity compared to other faith traditions is that our God, the creator of the universe, the creator stepped into creation. And Not only did he come to be part of creation, he sacrificed himself for his creation. You will not see that in other faith traditions. You will not see that in other belief systems. Um, Look, for some reason, we have to study the Greek gods over and over again. Have you in here studied the Greek gods? Put up your hand. If you had, in school, had to. Yes, so many of us. Why? What is that? I don't understand. But for some reason, we all study that several times through school. Like, there are just so many important things in the world But the Greek mythology is on the list. I don't know. So um, the Greek gods, for instance, along with other belief systems like Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, you you have to be good. And, And also just like modern living, just this like current language that is just being, like it's not a religion, but it's what we call spirituality. People call spirituality. Just be good. Put good energy into the universe by doing good things, thinking good thoughts, being good. That is what so many belief systems are about. And again, you tried that once and it didn't last very long (laughs) because it's really hard and quite honestly impossible. We believe that you are not saved based on what you do. You are not saved or not based on how good you are. That's not how it works. Most other belief systems tell you to climb the mountain right? So you got life, you got to do good things. You got to be, you got to not tick off the gods. You got to do the right things. You got to climb this mountain. But Christianity, 
was Jesus at the top of the mountain stepping down off of the mountain and saying, it doesn't matter what you do, it's what I came to do that matters. Now, that's not a free pass to do whatever we want. With real transformation in our lives, you're going to find that as you get closer to the one that stepped in your place, you're going to do things like he did. But our salvation is not based on what we do or do not do. It's different with Jesus. John wrote this about Jesus. So the word became human and made his home among us. I just like the way he puts that. He made his home. He stepped down off of the mountain. He made his home among his people. And he lived a perfect life so that we wouldn't have to spend our entire lives trying to live a perfect life. Because we can't be good enough. We can't be good enough. And because of Jesus, we don't have to be good enough. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did. We just have to trust him, look for a relationship with him. That's our role. It's not to be perfect. It's to have a relationship with the one who is. And this is part of what makes Jesus' humanity so important. Uh, because our God knows what it's like to be human. And that's really interesting. Our God stepped into humanity, 100% humanity. He understands the human experience. He ate, he laughed, he played. He probably peed on his mom while he was, she was changing his diaper, right? I have no biblical proof that that happened, but I hear it's a thing. Jesus cried. Jesus skinned his knee. Jesus was probably bullied at some point. Jesus suffered. He experienced human death. He had the human experience because he was 100% human, 100% humanity. He understands us. And through all of that, through his life, he modeled for us how to love, how to live, how to walk with the Holy Spirit, how to live submitted to the Father. We have that modeled to us by Jesus. He even got baptized. He held, had the whole human experience to show us how to do it, how to live in relationship with with God. So this is why it matters that Jesus was fully God and fully man, just in a couple of sentences. We needed more than a teacher. We need more than a teacher. We need God. We need divinity. We need 100% Godness. Because most of us in this room have tried to be God for ourselves. Those in this room that are older have probably spent more time trying to be God for ourselves and can tell you that it does not go well. <laughs> we mess it up. We, are, we do not make good gods for ourselves. You've tried to as well, even if you haven't been around long. You have tried to make the rules for yourself. You've tried to govern yourself and be God for yourself. And it doesn't, it's a waste of time. We weren't made to be our own king. So we needed more than a good teacher. We needed Jesus to be fully God. The second idea is humanity. Jesus can relate to us. Um, some people see God as this distant, faraway deity that created and exited. He created everything we have, everything we see, and then just left to kind of watch from a distance. Um, this was always described to me like a watch. Like he twisted the watch and then he walked away. He created and exited. The Bible does not describe that God. We see God step into creation. We believe he is very, very interested in what he created. He understands us unlike anyone else because he stepped into the human experience. He had the human experience, 100% man. He can empathize with us. He can walk with us in our suffering. He showed us how to suffer because he experienced suffering as well. We've got his divinity. We've got his humanity. And we need both because Jesus had to be both to sacrifice himself 
for us. We've got divinity and we've got humanity and we needed both individually. We needed him to be 100% God. We needed him to be 100% man and we needed him to be both. Hebrews 2, 9 through 10 says this. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. That just describes his humanity. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. It required 100% godness, 100% manness, for Jesus' sacrifice to cover our sins on the cross. There's another wrap-up of all these ideas in Hebrews 2. It says this, and it's kind of a long one, but stick with me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now, like I said before, this is really deep theological stuff. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And it's really important to know that God is fully God and fully man. But we can't stop at the knowing. We cannot stop at knowing these things. Being a follower of Jesus is about so much more than just knowing. We are trying to experience relationship with Jesus and be more like Jesus. So here are three things we can do to put that knowledge to work. Three things that we should be doing in response to the knowledge that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And we'll be talking more about it in our small groups. And um, this is stuff that helps us get closer to Jesus and makes us more like Jesus. First, we can thank him. The stuff we've been talking about, Jesus coming and dying for us, it, this is a miracle. This is a beautiful, amazing act of humility that God did because he loves us. He stepped into creation, died on a cross, the human experience for me so that I could be reunited with him. And it should move you when you think about that. It should, it should make you feel something when you think about what Jesus did on the cross. Because we were on the hook for our sins and Jesus paid that price with his blood. And the thing is, we can thank him for that. We can thank him today, right now. We can thank him for that. This is not just something we need to know about and then just go our way. We can thank him for his sacrifice. We can tell him thank you and we can live a thank you. We can live a life that acknowledges him daily in everything we do. Pursue a relationship with him. I am trying to live a thank you. We can worship him. We've talked about before in here that God deserves our worship. 
This is one of the reasons. God deserves our worship. And we can worship him with our words and with our songs, and we can worship him with our lives. We can let God lead us in our everyday lives, not just Sundays. Imagine letting God into your school week, into your friendships, into your family dynamics, into the choices you make every day. I'm trying to worship him with my life. You can approach him. Do you know anyone that's like, that you would describe as unapproachable? I'm thinking like particularly in my life, teachers or maybe a boss. It was like, I have really important questions to ask you. I'm going to fail if I do not ask these questions. But you have not invited me to talk to you. <laughs> you do not carry yourself in a way that makes me want to have a discussion with you. I work really hard to be approachable. And our God is approachable. And throughout history, we have this pendulum swing back and forth of, he is the holy God that created the universe. You need to cover your face. You can't even look at him to all the way to the other end of, he's my buddy, he's my friend, he's my daddy, and there's that. We have to find something in the middle where we understand reverence for God. We respect and fear God in the biblical sense of fear, but also understand that he's approachable. He's a God that loves us and cares about us, and he weeps when we weep because he understands suffering. Our God is approachable. He cared about you enough to step into creation, to die on a cross for you. And he cares that much, not just when he did that. He still cares that much about you. He cares and he wants us to approach him, to come close to him. Because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross repaired the relationship between God and man. It bridged the gap between God and man. And so no matter what you've done, when you, have, when you approach Jesus, you are met with love and grace and mercy and hope. And you can approach him with your words, with your prayer, with your songs, and you can approach him in the way you live. I am trying to live a life approaching Jesus. Hebrews 4 says this about Jesus. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And by knowing that we can respond by thanking him, by worshiping him and by approaching him, because a relationship with Jesus will change your life. This is not about trying to climb a mountain. This is not about trying to be good. This is about having a relationship with God. And when you do that, it will change everything. Jesus, thank you so much for this, this word that you have given us to help us understand you better. Help us to see the Bible that way every time. Not as this, the reason I can't go have fun. Not as this thing that old people hold over my head. Help us to see your word as as you revealing yourself to us, as you helping us to understand you, to understand how to do life, how to un understanding how to exist in light of what we know about you. So God, tonight I help, I pray that you help us to thank you because of your sacrifice, to worship you because you are so good to us then and now, and to approach you because you want us to be closer. We understand Jesus' 
fully 100% godness, 100% manness. And in light of those things, we seek to thank, worship, and approach you tonight. God, I pray your blessing over our conversations in small groups tonight. And I pray that not a single person walks out of here without looking a little bit more like you. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered in your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.